This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. My name is Ton Dobbe, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I envision a world where every B2B SaaS startup succeeds because they're creating software that customers would miss if they were gone. And here's why. Research consistently shows that 90% of all startups fail, and that's bad. What's worse, however, is that 75% of SaaS scale-ups fail, companies that are supposed to have product market fit. Far too few scale-ups create the traction they aspire for and fail for the wrong reasons. And I believe this should stop. And hence I created my business. And the goal that I have with this podcast is twofold. First, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. Secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what it requires to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest of my podcast today is Emil Jimenez, founder and CEO of MindBank AI. MindBank is a platform for you to create a digital twin of yourself. We want to make a platform for people to bridge AI and move humanity to what we call AI-enhanced humanity. It's not about the metaverse, because the metaverse is all about living in another place. No, we're more concerned about this verse, you know? How do I take the AI and data and all the science that we have to make me or make you a better person, help you in your personal development, and ultimately store your wisdoms? How much wisdom and knowledge is lost when people pass away, especially in family wisdom? So now we have the technology to not only learn about ourselves and optimize ourselves, but also that wisdom could last forever and add value to your family forever. And that's really building this database this is of humanity. He's a marketing expert with over 18 years experience working on global campaigns. He started working in the communication industry as a web designer in New York City. In 2009, he opened Passion Communications in Prague with the vision of building a brand empire for himself and his clients. Since 2020, Emil set out to produce the most transformational idea of his life. This became the birth of MindBank AI. It's a company that's on a mission to allow humanity to go beyond their limits and live forever through data. And what started as Daddy's quest for immortality has expanded into something bigger for humanity because the next personal computer is you. That inspired me. And hence I invited Emil to my podcast. We explore how observing his little daughter sparked an idea that turned into a vision that could potentially solve some of the world's biggest problems. Preventing mental health issues by increasing mental strength. Providing education and access to expert knowledge for those that need it most. New ways of knowledge monetization and even immortality. Emil shares the insights from the journey that he's been on, bringing this from idea to reality. And in doing so, he explains his secrets to create a software business that we would miss if we were gone. Now, by listening to this podcast, you will learn four things. Firstly, 
by having an eye for what matters, and in particular for the things that he would miss if they were gone, is a fantastic source to spark meaningful innovation. Secondly, that even if everyone is blown away with your big idea, is not a guarantee that funding will flow in. So his advice, never underestimate this. Thirdly, by thinking big and long-term, will make it a lot easier to keep focused and overcome critical challenges short-term. And fourthly, by thinking about money should come last in all strategic decisions you make. Well, hi, Emil. Thank you for making the time available today and being a guest on the podcast. It's my pleasure. My pleasure, Tom. Well, it's one for me as well, to be really honest. I'm always on the hunt, as they say, for cool stories about the technology and what technology we can use to make people better. I think that your product is definitely in the category of that and pretty bold. So we're going to talk about that in the following minutes, but just to kind of introduce yourself a little bit, not who you are, or like what defines you. If you were to describe yourself in two or three words, what words would you use? I would say it in, I guess, a few words is passion, power, persistence, and peace. Oh, That's literally my family motto, by the way. <laughs> That's why I know that. Over time, I've developed a sort of shield in my head. You know, you have these, you know, heraldry. And passion, power, persistence were the three. And then recently, I learned the fourth one, peace. Peace is never a bad one to have. Yeah. And especially when, when times get rough. And I mean, of course, the past period has been rough for a lot of people. And then the worst thing is to end up in a fight. I like them. I like them. But likely there's a couple of them that will kind of, yeah, come around the whole storyline. Yeah. And also peace Talking with yourself. You know, that's another thing. People don't find peace within themselves very much. You know, we always look at peace as an external thing. Mm, but peace starts true. from within, really. You know, that's, there's, you have to find peace within yourself first before you can try to extend it somewhere else. Yeah. Well, that's maybe a nice bridge towards the topic. So you started your company MindBank in 2020. Maybe that has to do something with getting that story and that peace inside yourself clear. What's the big idea behind it? So MindBank is a platform for you to create a digital twin of yourself. We want to make a platform for people to bridge AI and move humanity to what we call AI-enhanced humanity. So by taking yourself out of this physical world and putting yourself into a digital twin, you can then visualize the problem. The best way to describe it for me would be kind of like creating a Google Analytics dashboard that is you and learning from that and understanding that and optimizing that. Right? It's not about the metaverse, because the metaverse is all about living in another place. No, we're more concerned about this verse. You know, How do I take the AI and data and all the science that we have to make me or make you a better person, help you in your personal development, and ultimately store your wisdoms? How much wisdom and knowledge is lost when people pass away, especially in family wisdom? So now we have the technology to not only learn about ourselves and optimize ourselves, but also that wisdom could last forever and add value to your family forever. And that's really building this database of humanity. Nice. I like the topic. I mean, AI enhanced humanity, big one. But definitely, I mean, because it is like your digital twin. I mean, I've heard about it a lot, of course, a lot with Industry 4.0 and having the digital twin of the machines and being able to program them and to make them behave in a different way. But yeah, I've never heard about a story if you turn it around. 
Well, it began yeah. in manufacturing, like you said, manufacturing, architecture, you know, and if you're an engineer building a manufacturing line or a building, you want to run simulations on that before you put people in it, I hope, right? So, <laughs> so there's a fire, earthquake or something like that. You know, we have the ability to simulate all of these situations. Now we have the ability to do that with the human person, right? Uh -huh. The challenge before was getting the data of the human into a format that is accessible, right? That challenge is gone now with 5G, wearables, and mobile technology. That's true. That's why you call it mind bank. Exactly. Exactly. So what always interests me, well, first of all, like what is the big problem that you saw What sparked the idea? Well, the beauty of this is that it was inspired by a four-year-old, my little girl. She was four years old at the time, and she was playing with her iPad. And for the first time, Siri pops up on her iPad. And she asked me, Daddy, what is this? I said, honey, this is Siri. Say hi, Siri, and ask her a question. So my little girl thought for a second, and she says, hi, Siri, do you have a mommy? And then she asked Siri, Siri, do you like ice cream? Show me your toys. So she started asking Siri a bunch of questions. And similar to if she met a little girl in the playground, I guess. And as the conversation, if you want to call it that, progressed, she was laughing and having a good time. And she said at one point, Siri, I love you. You're my best friend. And that's where the psychologist in me kicked in. I have a bachelor's degree in psychology. My mom is a psychologist. So I've kind of been in this world, you know, pretty much all my life. You can literally say all my life because when she was in Columbia University, she was pregnant with me. So <laughs> I guess you can say I have a master's degree from in 1979 from <laughs> Columbia University. So when my little girl says, Siri, I love you. You're my best friend. I noticed immediately there was a change in perception. It went from a transactional relationship. Show me your toys. Do you like ice cream? To I love you. You're my best friend. Right. There's an emotional connection there. Exactly. So that's a fundamental shift, right? In a relationship, right? You can look at your life, you know, typical relationships, like give me this, thank you, goodbye. Or, hey, how are you doing? I love you. You're my best friend. You know, so there's a fundamental shift there. And then I started thinking about what is her world going to look like when she's my age? You know, I went in a little future, you know, future mode for a few seconds. And I started thinking, you know, There's just so much going on when she's in her 40s. Her life is going to be so radically different from ours today. Yep. Yet ultimately, you know, Siri is just an interface to some database, right? And that's why I think, okay, how can I become that database? How can I upload my wisdom, my thoughts, my mind, my love for my daughter so that she can always access daddy, even if I'm not alive? And that's where the idea of mind bank came about. How can I store my consciousness so that my children and my children's children can extract value from that? Ultimately, though, in the process, I realized that it's probably very valuable for me as a user to extract value from that data today, right? We, yeah. How do I then learn about myself? That's kind of where it shifted from, let me focus on the future and, you know, immortality and stuff like that to wow, how can I use this technology to optimize myself, to understand who I am, to document my mental state and see like a dashboard of what's going on in my mind. And that's how it's kind of shifted from this immortality bit to really, it's much bigger for humanity, really, you know, it's quantifying yeah. what's in your head somehow, 
over time. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of reflection value that you can get from there. A lot of things that you are thinking about, that you're pondering on, that you are maybe anxious around, and just having that conversation sort of with yourself. It exactly. It is analyzing the voice in your head. That's exactly ah. what it is, right? It's and psychoanalyzing the voice in your head. And the beauty of this is honestly, like, forget the data part for a second. And sometimes revelation comes just from a simple question, right? And no data analysis in the world can kind of replace the light bulb in your head when you realize something. You know, and I'll tell you a story, a personal story. I was interviewed a few weeks back by a journalist, and he asked me the simplest question. Tell me a story about your childhood. Right? Simple question, you know. But that question made me almost cry, right? Because I realized something 38 years later about my life that I didn't realize until that day, you know, because uh-huh. it takes time for wisdom and for, you know, and for parts of your brain to open up literally. And, and it took 38 years in my case. And it was a simple story. I told them how when I was four years old, I lived in the Dominican Republic and I was completely free as a four-year-old. I mean, like we were little rug rats, four, five, and six. And we had a radius of about two to three kilometers that we can, <laughs> we can roam like little lions in the prairie, right? All the neighbors knew who the kids were. We, you know, anywhere we would go, we'd go to the university campus, which was, I don't know, a few blocks away. My brothers were attending there. My mother was a professor there. So I knew it was like my backyard. And we would go see the dead people. Imagine this, four or five-year-old kids, you know, six-year-old kids, go see the dead people. And the journalist was like, what's the dead people? What is that, you know? We would go to the autopsy rooms in the morgue of the university, which was a bunker, right? This is Dominican Republic, right? So it's hot and it's, you know, early 80s. So there was no air conditioning, probably. So it was a bunker in the ground somewhere and it had a little window. So you see, you know, the med students were doing autopsies and learning about, you know, the human anatomy. And these little kids would be looking out over their shoulders through the windows. And then after class, we would go down to the classroom and get up close to the dead bodies. No skin, just dead bodies on metal tables, veins popping out everywhere and stuff. And as a small child, I remember being fascinated, right? We, you know, we were all kind of playing and it was all gooey and nasty. But I remember specifically being fascinated by the veins. It was just like an intricacy, like a maze kind of True. thing. And it was really interesting to me. And then that's when it hit me in that interview. I was like, wow. I just realized that in that room at four years old is where I fell in love with science. Uh-huh. You know, exactly. and I was like, wow, you know, I mean, even now I'm like getting goosebumps, you know, because it's just like, who would think that this little four year old kid, you know, like wearing shorts and a T-shirt and flip flops, you know, <laughs> sure. you know, looking at dead bodies with a bunch of other little rugrats would kind of be inspired 40, 38 years later, you know, it and it's just crazy. That's just the beauty of life, really, you know, so. I think that's the beauty of the platform that it allow you to self-reflect in those moments and yeah. discover things that you didn't realize before. And that's not data. That's love, right? That's just. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's raw emotions as well and so on. What do you believe is the opportunity if the product is used by the, a lot of people around the world? Oh, there's massive amounts of opportunity. I can go, you know, let's start with step one, right? Which is. Can we move the entire healthcare industry from healthcare to self-care? That's really one of the biggest missions here, where you're more empowered to take care of yourself because you understand what's going on, right? You can use this data and your healthcare professionals can use more data to take care of you 
and ultimately give you better service. And if you look at yourself as a person, right? A doctor might see you at one moment in time. You're sick now, or you're not sick now. But if they have a continuous data set and they can see your blood sugar level and all kinds of things over the course of a weeks, months, you know, they can get really optimized in terms of what you should be eating, what you should be doing. But we want to get into the point where, you know, we can see what you're saying, what you're eating, what you're, you know, how you're exercising and how that affects your mind. Really, we want to get into this whole, how does your physiology affect your mind? How does your mind affect your physiology? Because they're intertwined. And unfortunately, the industry is very much taking care of one symptom, not the entire holistic view. That's true. Exactly. Yeah. It's so true. I recently had a couple of people also on my podcast that are more in the data privacy space. That is, you know, we're leave, leaving so many trails and you're not, first of all, you're not in charge of that. So everyone can, can do that. Having it all in your own control is a big one as well. This is possibly an angle to do that. Exactly. So, I mean, there's a lot of questions popping up in my mind, but I really like that. First of all, you said this is just one idea from healthcare to self-care. I mean, everybody can understand the impact of that. Yeah, I mean, but the first thing that pops up is like, this is big. I can drop another Bold. big one. You know? Yeah, the, the, go ahead. The other big one is basically not, you know, because we're going to be decentralizing, you own your data, you manage your data, you could also monetize on your data. So then year two development, which is what we're going to be working on very soon, is the tokenization of that, meaning you have all this psychological data, this physical data that you can control. But there's a lot of companies out there that would like to get access to that data. Right. Yeah. And right now, the way it works is that other companies use your data and sell it to them. You know, in our case, we would say, listen, we have this offer for you. Would you like to participate? Yes. Okay. Here's access to what, what the piece of data that you want to give access to. And then you monetize on that directly. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's a huge piece, you know, which, because what that happens now is that, you know, it levels the playing field economically. So imagine you're a poor person living in sub-Saharan Africa or some developing nation, Latin America. Now you have access to another source of income that wasn't there anymore. That's right? true. So a 10% increase in monthly income is a massive increase for these type of people, right? This yeah. segment. It's the difference between putting your kid in school or not. Literally. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Literally. Let me make a small interruption here. Emil just explained the essence of the true value that underpins his platform. Real data about ourselves, meaningful data about ourselves. Data that we never capture, that is extremely valuable to ourselves, to our relatives, and potentially to many others if you apply it in a business context. So what started as a small conversation with Siri turned into an idea that could solve some of the biggest challenges that we have around the globe. His way of thinking represents a typical trait that remarkable software companies master. They focus on the essence, aim to create something highly valuable and desirable for some people, and from there continue to create new value possibilities. And you can master these traits as well. And I've got various options for you to start. Simply go to valueinspiration.com to learn about the masterminds and the work streams to put the fundamental building blocks in place to fast track the growth of your software company. And as you're there, don't forget to grab a free Kindle version of my book, The Remarkable Effect, to start sparking some new inspirations in the next 30 minutes. Back to the interview. Right. So that's another space that you want to get into. And the last one, when it comes to education, you know, one of the biggest fields or issues is access to 
information, right? Access to the right information. So, you know, one dream I have, this is a bit further down the line for sure, not focused at this particular moment, but, you know, my grandparents were farmers. My grandfather barely knew how to read, right? When my mother was born, they didn't have a ground. On, it was a dirt house, basically, right? So there was no ground. So you put a context to this. She was the first child to survive, right? There's a lot of things going on here. So you can put some context. And, you know, I started thinking, look, how is it that, you know, if these farmers that are in this, this village where my parents are from, if they had access to the right information, they would be maybe produce better yields, right? And I wonder if, okay, they might not be able to have the education, but can they ask their digital twin, can you analyze my soil, take a look at this and give me, give me some recommendations, right? That would be such a beautiful thing to create at that level, right? Yeah, true. Um, yeah, but there's so much, you know, <laughs> like I said, it's endless, really, the whole digital twin technology. Well, I know. mean, I've always been in the completely different industry, enterprise research planning, but where we were selling it is in the service industry. And at the end, if you look at population worldwide, people are getting older. There's more people getting older and leaving the workplace. There's less people being born entering the workplace. So the workplace or the workforce globally is shrinking. Still, I think the amount of work that needs to be done and the level of skills that are required in order to do it, that's going to be an enormous challenge. Talking about this, the war for talent will not end. This is a way to solve possibly elements of that. It's scaling. Yeah, it's scaling humanity, literally, yeah. Yeah, and how cool would it be if, you know, you had these experts from... Well, I mean, at some point in time, we know all the experts and all the famous people from the past, you know, the Einsteins and these type of people, if you could still access their brain, you know, it wasn't available then, but possibly it can be now. Really cool. Now, I want to kind of want to make the connection to products. Where do you start with this? I mean, I'm always fascinated to understand, like, from idea to execution, building a product and delivering that. How did you approach that? I go back to the original conversation, right? With my daughter, with Siri, it's like, okay, what was she doing there? She was meeting someone. And how do you meet a person, right? You say, hey, where are you from? What do you do? What experiences you have? What do you like? What do you dislike? You know, and you ask a series of questions to create a knowledge graph of that person mentally, right? And so you start understanding their philosophy, their attitudes towards certain subjects, their skill sets, their strengths, their weaknesses. So I approached it very similarly in the sense of, okay, I will develop this platform where it just asks you a number of questions. I will worry about the AI later, you know, because the challenge is getting what's inside your head into yep. database. That's the challenge, right? And the data that we have available on us is like, okay, we could have grabbed your WhatsApp chat and pulled it in, but that's not true quality data. We don't know how you met your wife. You know, there's no real emotional texture about any information. There's very transactional information there, sure. right? But if I ask you questions about your philosophy, about life on our platform, you have what's called a lot of emotional texture in your answer. So we can capture a lot of emotional insights, psycholinguistic insights that is much more valuable to your digital twin than, I don't know, what you had at McDonald's last week, right? So there's no value to that. True. So that's how we first approached it, right? What is the lowest hanging fruit and what is the most human way to connect with someone, which is just have a conversation, talk, ask questions. And at this particular point in time, we're even very simple. It's like you just speak to it and you get feedback, psycholinguistic feedback from it. Keep adding it and you'll start seeing more holistic view of what's going on in your mind, different time periods. 
Our next step would be much more conversational in nature, yep. where you feel you're having a conversation. And I'll drop a little hint here. It's going to be a conversation with yourself. So we're working on sounding and talking like you, literally. Oh, my God. <laughs> so that's a little R&D project, hint, hint, you know, but that's going to be exciting if we crack that one for sure, because... And you could obviously, I personally hate my own voice. <laughs> it was one of those things, you know, I'm sure you as a podcaster and, you know, you're probably used to it, but every time I hear my voice, I'm like, oh, it sounds so stupid. <laughs> That's right. And it's interesting where it's going for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like that approach. Actually, I'm currently working on a podcast with the CEO of a company called It Changed in the Meantime, Legal Monsters. It's this how it started. Stine. And she said... In order to kind of make the biggest difference, we also started with, okay, where can we make the biggest difference? And, and that's what I'm always looking for. I mean, I wrote a book, you know, The Remarkable Effect. What have you said yes to or no to in order to create something that people will talk about? How did you embody that in the product? Yeah, I think, like I mentioned before the call here, where we were discussing, I got this idea in January 17, 2020, before COVID, before anything, you know? Yeah. And... For the first eight months before we incorporated, we incorporated in August, I was just speaking to people much smarter than me, right? So I had the huge opportunity that at the time I was finishing off my executive MBA. So I had access to, you know, top professors from Yese MBA in Barcelona. I had access to the guest speakers who were, you know, chief information officer for Siemens, for example, right? The whole session was about digital twins in manufacturing. That's where I was like, that's what it's called. I'm going to call it digital twins. Yeah, sure. You know, that's exactly what it is. And then, so, you know, it's one of those situations where I reached out to him and say, hey, after the class, hey, can I pick your brain for 15 minutes? And it ended up being an hour and a half call. The one thing I would always do is, that, is there anyone else I should speak with? And they would recommend one more person. And over the course of eight months, I was meeting and talking to so many people and, you know, I guess subconsciously building my board. Right. So I ended up speaking to a gentleman who built Siri. He's one of the lead engineers that built Siri. He's on my board and he's now head of machine learning at Microsoft. Right. So he's on the top, top team in Microsoft. Another gentleman is a member of National Academy of Sciences, who's an anthropologist who studied social networks in the 50s and 60s. You know, yeah. another massive brain author in NLP technology the chief information officer for the Department of Health and Human Services in the United States. And, you know, you go on, it's just like, how did I have these conversations with these people? It's, it's crazy, yeah, you know, I was one phone call away from Trump, you know, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like literally, you know, it's crazy. And in the journey, you start molding the idea, right? Yeah. You start molding, what is the idea? Where should you go? And the challenge there is understanding what you want to do, right? They can give you all kinds of recommendations, but... You know, I always had a big vision of, okay, I'm building this so my daughter could have to always talk to daddy. That's never changed, right? Now, what is the engagement factor? What's going to get people interested in participating in this today, right? And that's where the health side of things came in, where, okay, wow, there's a lot of psychological data that's very valuable. People don't self-reflect. People don't think about, you know, you look yeah. for so much self-worth, let's say, or you're by like likes and all kinds of things, but people forgot to just look within themselves for these answers, right? So I saw that, well, this could be a really interesting platform for self-reflection. We can use like the psychoanalysis so that the person or the psychologist or the personal coach can get data about their clients, mm -hmm. right? Because it's hard to quantify 
a psychologist's improvement or a personal coach's improvement, right? It's very difficult to quantify that. True. And I think we have that answer with MindBank. We can quantify it, right? So there's all these things. And ultimately, the whole mental health space is massive because there's a huge need in it. I like to call it mental strength more than mental health, right? We're at this build the mental strength so that you don't need a mental health professional. That's true. Right. That's the goal, at least. You know, it's a bit yeah. like training a muscle. Your brain is a muscle, right? You need to train it. And the last bit, quite honestly, came, you know, obviously in the course of things and course of life, but it took a very tragic turn recently in my own personal life because my ex wife passed away recently from mental health issues. Like, oh like a month ago, literally, right? Oh my God. And we have a six-year-old daughter, if you can imagine, right? So that four-year-old is now six-year-old without a mommy. Yeah. You know, and-, and What if? Exactly. It was complete shock. And if we were two months earlier with MindBank, what if she would still be alive, you know? That's the kind of thing that's going through my head as well. Oof. You know, it's also, that's where the, when I mentioned the power, passion, persistence, and my ex-wife taught me peace right? That's the last one, right? The last piece of that puzzle that you have to be in peace with yourself, be in peace with life, really, and move on and try to move on, right? So one of the things we're going to implement is what I call the YANA protocol. And that's going to be a protocol within the platform where if someone is, say, we detect a depression over a long period of time, five days, 10 days, whatever the number we choose, you will automatically speak to someone the next time you log in. Like, no, it'll just, hey, this is Tom, and how you doing? You want a one-hour session with me? Just straight up. Because the biggest issue in her life was she wanted to deal with it herself, right? And, and everyone, and you can't, can, and everyone told her, come on, please. You know, that was the issue. That's why we broke up, really, you know? Yeah, yeah. And ultimately, like, you know, she lost that battle. That is something that nobody wants to talk about, but it's a massive problem in the world. It reminds me of the podcast that I did with Scott Sandland, who is also a member of the CEO Mastermind that I run. He also he's a hypnotherapist. And he saw every time he's speaking to people, you know, he can only talk to one. It wasn't scalable, but he saw the suffering on the other end. And he saw also the number of teenage suicides in the US going up every single day, 3,000 a day or so, or so it is. Uh -huh. Maybe it's 4,000 right now. It's crazy. And he wants to solve that with a different approach. But again, it's enough is enough. And these things need, need to be dealt with. So fantastic that you're doing it. What is the hardest thing to crack here? Money. <laughs> okay. Okay. Money. Right. No, okay, really. I understand it, that. It is, it is the number one difficult thing to crack. When it comes from an investment perspective, right? Yeah, it's been pretty much self-funded. And we had some outside investors, of course, friends and family and associates. But when it comes to available funding, people say, oh, the money is there. It's there. But, you know, there's so many factors involved and so many relationships. And it's really difficult, honestly. That is the number one hurdle I've faced. It hasn't been the science. It hasn't been access to top minds of the world. People love this idea. They open their doors. But Let's what is it then that the money market. won't come when the vision behind this, when the product is there, the vision is there? What's stopping people from? saying, of course. Fear or maybe timing, they think that it's too ambitious. I've gotten all kinds of answers, you know? <laughs> like you know, The number one answer from a VC perspective, number one is show me some traction, great idea, you have a good team, blah, blah, blah. Show me attraction when you have traction. Great, okay, good, fair enough. That's number one, that's the number one. The other one is the technology is not there. 
for the digital twin, which is fine. It is not there. But you know what? Are you going to wait for the technology to be there to jump into that market? No, you have to start now because the technology is going to be there in very few years. And what data set will people use to start building this digital twin? Their WhatsApp chat, their Facebook chats? No, you know? You know, it's going to take time for you to put your life story onto another exactly <laughs> to the cloud. It's not, it's not a Sunday afternoon. No, yeah, exactly. So I think that's some other things I'm hearing, but I'm pretty confident we will get what we need. But it's one of those things where it's, I've been on this for two years, right? It's gone, and that's the number one challenge for sure. Yeah, I understand that one. And looking from the lessons that you learned over those last two years, what would you do different next time, or what would be advice that you know now that you would have liked to have had back then? I think I was a bit naive thinking that I would get funded sooner. <laughs> That's for sure. Because I was thinking, okay, this is such a good idea. I've got a good team. Da, 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 da. That didn't come in. So the other one I learned recently was that it was something I've always, you know, I always live my life what I call cautiously optimistic. <laughs> I'm always cautiously optimistic. I don't believe it until it's done. So, you know, I learned from an investor situation where they were like, yeah, we're doing the due diligence. Yeah, we love you. We love you. We love you. Everything is great. And then a week before we launched, they're like, oh, we're going to step back. And I was like, oh, really? So all my plans, <laughs> you yeah, know, were, were basically changed, right? So these are things that are part of life. You know what I mean? I think, honestly, those are the only things because everything else, when it comes to the science and when it comes to the team dynamics and, you know, whatever problem we might have faced, it's part of business. That's just, you mm-hmm. know, I've been in business enough to know that that's just part of it. Yeah. What has appeared to be really important for where you are right now? Is that in the passion, the power, the persistence? What has it been? Well, I'm, I'm always in the passion mode. That's for sure. You know, because <laughs> without that, you don't. You know, you can't do anything else. So, in terms of where we are right now, I think we're in the power mode. I would say because we're now okay. We've got the product. It's like in minutes, it's about to launch. We're just fixing a few little things, and then now, okay, now we got to supercharge this, right? How do we go from zero users to a hundred thousand users? Because then that investor conversation is much easier, right? But the other side of that is that, okay, how am I going to pay for the server costs <laughs> and, and, and all the other things that happen behind that, right? That's Yeah, sure. Which happened, you know, that's hanging in the back of my head right now, you know? Well, but this is a critical question at the end, you know, it's how do you get from zero to one? And that's one then being the million or the 100,000 years that you're talking about. What do you believe does your product have in order to get that level of momentum going and possibly virality going? Awareness, first and foremost, you know, that's why we're on the show, really, you know, awareness is a key factor because what I, for example, just from a metrics perspective, we have almost a 1% conversion of people that land on our website. Mm-hmm. That's a very high conversion for someone who just doesn't know who we are. They land on it and they're like, wow, this is cool, you know, and that tells me that, okay, if I can improve some things on the website and get a million people on the page, that's a hundred thousand people, you know, yeah. Converted, right? How do I get the million people on the page? <laughs> you know, that's the part. You know, yeah, um, yeah. it's a marketing problem at that point, right? And then also from a product perspective, we're always improving the product. You know, I'm never happy with what we release. Never. <laughs> it's always like I'm always like, oh, I wish we could do this. I wish we could do that. Let's get the next version out. You know, I'm always two versions ahead in my head, and so I'm yeah, never, that's true. I'm never happy really, and that's something. No, I but have. I mean, a lot of it, of course, is in creating fans out of your product. I mean, one of the people on my mastermind, uh, Michel Valstark, of, he used to see a company called Blue Sky. We had a fascinating discussion on stickiness in his product and how to kind of get to the next level. But 
how do you keep users coming back? And I think you have the formula because it's about capturing the story and then getting value back from it. Exactly. And that is creating a stickiness that once, of course, the aha moments are coming in and the wow moments like, oh, I didn't think about it or fascinating that it is possible, then it will start to spread. And one person starts to tell two other friends and two other friends start to tell two other friends. But of course, it's hard to do. Yeah. So that's, that fascinates me. Yeah, we have some mechanisms. So for example, we have a Valentine's Day campaign that's going to run very soon, next week actually, where it's what we call two for one. I love you so much, I want you twice. <laughs> you know? uh-huh. <laughs> so basically, if you buy one, your partner gets a premium subscription for free, <laughs> right? So we have these little referral programs. What I think yeah. is going to happen, what I really think is going to happen is two, let's call it hacks, if you want to call it. One is going to be within families. So wife buys it for the husband, that buys it for the grandma, that buys it for etc. right? And the other one is going to be personal coaches and psychologists might want to recommend this to their clients. Yeah. Meet with me once a month. Why not use this the rest of the year, the rest of the time? Right? So you can improve on your whatever it is, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's the hope, right? These are the, some of the plans of growth. Yeah. You know, we've got some B2B deals as well. There's all kinds of things that we're playing with, right? B2B. Yeah, that's another thing that I was thinking about in the beginning because it started really as a, okay, it's for everybody that wants to understand themselves better, which is typically a B2C play. But what is the opportunity here in B2B? And, and possibly is that in the beginning maybe an even bigger opportunity for you? Well, we're dabbling in the B2B space with our partners. So we yeah. have retail partners that are in the space and they can upsell MindBank as a complementary tool to their tech yeah. stack. So yeah. for example, one such deal is a mental health practitioner platform. So if you're a personal coach or a psychologist, you have a profile on this platform and people can book a session with you. Their clients are B2B clients that give this as a perk to their employees, right? Yeah. So as an add-on, they can buy MindBank for the employees at a discounted rate, and all the employees can have time with a professional plus time on the MindBank app. Yeah. That's a B2B play that's in our hands right now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things coming up. You know, there's the whole expert economy. You know, people are becoming experts. And this is, yeah, like you say, a way to monetize yourself. What I'm interested in is how does the healthcare industry pick this up? I mean, like B2B, right? talking about the mental health space, mental health professionals right now are inundated. They don't have times in their slots, apparently, right? So how do you scale that? And sure. it's impossible, right? So hopefully, you know, I think we're going to try to do some deals there where maybe, you know, the governments pay for this, for their constituents and subsidize yeah. it somehow. Yeah. And say, hey, there's no excuse not to talk, to talk to yourself, you know, and learn about yourself. Take control of your own mental state. Let's see. Yeah, let's see. There's so many opportunities. But I mean, at the end, you want to focus as well to do one thing really, really well. Exactly. So, I mean, I talked about my book, The Remarkable Effect. That's yeah, got full of traits of and secrets of what defines companies that we start talking about and then keep talking about. You've been in this space now for a while. What do you believe are kind of must-haves for companies to create products that people would miss if they were gone that they keep talking about? Yeah, I think it really always comes down to some human truth. You know, I personally don't like companies that always, we solve a problem for the accounting and that like, you know, I mean, like those kinds of problems, okay, they're good to have and they're good to solve, but you're not going to be around very long. 
right? You're going to either get soaked up by somebody or just out of business soon, right? Because the problem you're solving is not that big. I love problems that are massive because you know that the problem is going to be there for a while, right? In our case, you know, it is enhancing humanity with the AI technology. That's not going to end tomorrow. No. Right? <laughs> you know? And then it's scratching like, the surface. Yeah, literally scratching. I think we're like tippy-toeing into the waters right now, you know? of this vast ocean that's ahead of us. You know, and honestly, my measurement of success is when this technology is on another planet. That is literally what I tell everyone. But that's when we can high five. We can high five when my back is in another planet sometime, you know, because that's literally, you know, where humanity needs to go. Sorry, like, we're, you know, the way things are going right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it's, it's got to be there. If you think in those terms, then, you know, I always like to think in very long terms because any challenge you get in your way is just a hiccup on the a part of like in this long journey, just a tiny hiccup on the way. So, yeah, so I think that there's a lot that can be done there. Yeah, I can completely understand that. And we're not finished there. I mean, this is what I've been sort of talking about for four years now in my podcast, like human enhancing technologies. When technology and people blend in the right way that people actually become better versions of themselves create a bigger impact. This is a fascinating example of that again. I see that we are getting towards the end already. So out of kind of related to this maybe, but the question I initially asked about how do you create a remarkable software business? And I love your thing about human truth there. And that's possibly also something that people need to reflect upon when it comes to like, what are they communicating on their website in terms of, you know, removing the bullshit. It's, and, it's all, and addressing something that's features real. And features and features, you know what I mean? But let's be honest, sometimes these B2B companies, they're selling a feature to some person somewhere in some procurement office. It's like, I need to solve this problem. Okay, there you go. Thanks. There are other companies that are trying to solve bigger human challenges. You know, how yeah. do we man on the moon or the Mars? Or how do we solve cancer or something? You know what I mean? I think I'm always looking for those companies yeah. to inspire people because those are the ones that are going to last. Exactly. That's possibly the question that I want to ask right now. So from all the key lessons learned in your life, and I mean, you started already passion, power, persistence, peace. What are tidbits of wisdom that you've gained? And what would be a do and a don't that you would like to give to other people aspiring to create a technology business like you do? I would say think in very long terms. Don't think about the money. Like if you're trying to get rich, like do something else, go to banking or something, you know, think about what, you know, what do you want to leave as a legacy with your business and then work your way backwards, right? So in my case, it was like, okay, how can I build this for my daughter, right? I kind of went in that direction, worked my way backwards. But then I went even a step further, right? And I was like, okay, how can this digital twin help humanity on another planet, help us travel interstellar? You know, I went that far because like, you know, physically, we're not going to go to another galaxy, but our digital twins can, uh-huh. right? like for as an entity, you know, so I went that far and I went backwards and I started working my way back to, okay, how does this apply today? You know, I know where we want to go. I know the hundred year plan, but let yep. me take a step back and let's go year one, you know? And I think once you do that to yourself and you have a really, really big ambitious plan, and then you start working your way backwards, you know, two things happen, you know, you plan better, you know, and then you have a bigger goal in mind internally that, keeps you focused. And we ask a very simple question when we look at features and things like that is like, does it help humanity? Literally, that's the only question I ask. Is this helping humanity 
yes or no. <laughs> you know, it's that simple. You know, and if you can answer yes to your answer, then okay, let's look into it. Literally, when we do our like analysis of features and roadmap and stuff sure. like that, that is number one question. Number one question. You know, yeah. number two is feasibility. Is it technically feasible? Number three <laughs> is, is there ROI? Is there money in there? The last thing we care about is the money. Really, you know, from that perspective, because money will come, people will come, that'll happen. But feasibility, first humanity, feasibility, and finances, right? Those are the criteria. Yep. I mean, these are the best reasons at the end to validate this, and you did it in the right order. So kudos for you, and that's what I can only amplify. So final question, if there's anything the audience can do for you, what will be your big ask? From an audience perspective, it's very simple. Log on, download the app, use it. Send us feedback. And if you like it, buy it, share it. And that's simple as this. That's all. I, we just need users and we need evangelists. We need, I know, I'm like Jesus. I need disciples, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I need my disciples to go about the world and, and spread the news of <laughs> spread yeah, the news true. of MindBank. That's the only thing I need. And if there's any VCs listening, then of course, you know, we were always open to a very smart strategic investor that can help us grow and is in it for who has a long-term thinking as well. Perfect. Well, this was fascinating, Emil. Thanks for sharing the story. It is fascinating. I mean, I'm impressed with it. Good luck on the journey. Good luck on the mission. Thanks for yeah sharing the wisdom that you've gained so far. Uh, where can people go to find out more, to find your app? How can they find you to say hi? Sure. I'm on LinkedIn, so you can definitely reach out to me there. The easiest is emil at mindbank.ai. You could also go on the website mindbank.ai and see more information about the company, the team, the product, and anything else in between. And obviously we have some offers coming up. So there's always some offer on the page to entice conversions and downloads. So that's it. Very good. Well, thanks. And this ends my conversation with Emil. I hope you enjoyed it. And if so, please leave a review on iTunes. And if it inspired you, please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that you have in your network. Other than that, Thank you for tuning in to this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Emil Jimenez, founder and CEO of MindBank AI. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. 
Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.